0: Get your Bibles, and and we do have to move fast. Get your Bibles and turn with me um, to two passages of Scripture John chapter 8 and Genesis chapter 3. John chapter 8, Genesis 3. We've been talking uh, along the lines of check your bags, and we're talking about freedom. And what does, what does it mean when the Bible talks about freedom? Because a lot of times when we talk about freedom, we think about being free from something, like if I'm not anxious or depressed or looking at porn or, you know, getting drunk all the time, whatever it is, or off pain pills, it can be any number of things. And, and that's really the problem. Let me say this. That's really the problem because a lot of church people think freedom is a ministry for addicts. Right? But can I help you? Most of the time, most people, let me say this, you're all born addicts. We're all born addicted to ourselves. Like some of you, you you may not get drunk on Friday night, but you crave because of the brokenness in your soul and, and the lack of knowing who you are, you crave affirmation. So you manipulate every conversation so that someone will give you some affirmation so that you feel better about you. It's not a white powder, but it's your Coke. You don't distill it, but it's your whiskey. And every post you make on social media is about getting somebody to tell you, you look. oh girl, you just look good today. Why do you need that? Why do you need that? right and so we're all and when we start this freedom journey we all need freedom number one from ourselves we talked about a few weeks ago like we got bad definitions and then we need freedom from ourselves we think we're our own source right and there's some of you like relationships are your addiction how do you think tinder got so popular because people are alone, they're broken on the inside, and they think another hookup is going to tell them who they are. It just leaves them more broken, but they can't figure it out, so they just keep the pattern going. Right? <laughs> and and can I tell you the truth? All of those things, can I tell you what they are? I mean, whether it is a, a substance or a pain, you know, pain pill, um whether it's distilled or um Aged <laughs> uh, or brewed, um, or whether it's a relationship or a need for affirmation. Can't tell you what all those things are. They're all medications. See, if you have an addiction today, <laughs> the addiction is not the problem, it's the symptom. It's the medication you're using to medicate whatever's broken. So, freedom is when you find out what's broken. And God heals it so you don't need the medication. Like, when I, like, like, ma'am, when you finally think you're worth enough and valuable enough that you don't need a man's hands all over you to feel valuable. It's getting pretty graphic. I know, isn't it great? It's like real world stuff, like the book of Corinthians. Like, we, we so sanitize the Bible. Have you read that thing? In the book of Corinthians, they were getting drunk on communion wine and having sex in the church and acting all kinds of crazy. Had to remove a leader because he was sleeping with his stepmother. And we're like, you know, we just can't talk about those things in church. Well, where are you going to talk about them? Because Google's going to talk about them. YouTube's going to talk about them. Instagram's going to talk about them. What, what, who do you want to be discipled by, the church or Instagram? Amen. Who do you want teaching your children? Yeah. You or YouTube. Well, praise God. So, um, John chapter 8. John chapter 8, here we go. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, everybody say, church folk. Church. To the Jews who believe, him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered, we're the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. This is the first lie of church people. This is the first lie of freedom. We're not bound. Let me help you. There's only been one person on the face of this earth that was not bound. His name was Jesus. They murdered him. <laughs> right? Because everybody's been through a wound or a trauma. Everybody's got some some crazy person in your family. If you're like, no, there's no crazy person in your family. They're listing you as the crazy person <laughs> in the family. they said, we're in the, and we know the Jews, like they'd been, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, I mean, you just walk through the the Chaldeans, they'd been in bondage, everybody, and at this time, they're under Roman rule, so they they didn't even, this is like the normal church person, I'm not, I'm not bound, well, why were you up at three o'clock clicking on porn, come on, man, Come on, man, that's a bondage. That's not an issue. That's the problem. You know, the problem is nowadays we don't have sin. We we have problems and we we don't have bondages. We have issues. But the problem is Jesus didn't die for problems. He died for sin and he doesn't set you free from issues. He sets you free from bondages. And until you call it what it is, you can't receive who he is. Yeah. Never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say we will come free? And Jesus said, truly, I say, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. We talked about that last week. And the slave doesn't remain in a house forever. The son remains forever. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, as long as you're being taken into bondage, you never get the benefits of being a son of God. Like God created you to be a son. Bondage makes you a slave. And and until you admit you're in bondage, you can't be free. And until you're a son, you can't receive the inheritance and all that God has for you. So he said, you can't remain in the house. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. He says, I know you're the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because of the words. These words find no place in you. I'm so glad I didn't have to pastor these people. (laughs) Like you seek to kill me. That's an intense sermon, man. Like I've. Had some interesting things, but so far, not exactly that. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you've heard from your father. It's about to get intense. And they answered, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said, if, Abraham, if you're Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works of Abraham. But you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Isn't it interesting? The Babylonian spirit, the spirit of the world, actually will, will, will turn. If, like If you're trying to give them truth, they return it with an attack and hatred. I'm so glad the Bible's relevant for today. Like, it's the same issue. Like, today you speak truth and it's hate speech. And the, Who gets to decide who's hate, what's hate speech or not? Like, do you understand Jesus would have been accused of hate speech in today's culture? I mean, Jesus couldn't even preach in today's culture. He would have been having this conversation right here. He's saying, you'd be doing, but you, you try to kill me because I'm telling you the truth. That's not what Abraham did. He said, you're doing the works of your father. And they said, we're, we are not born, we're not illegitimate children, we're not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said, if God were your father, you'd love me for I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why don't, you, why don't you understand what I say? It's because you cannot hear my word. You are of, here we go. You are of your father, the devil. This is Jesus' sermon series on how to win friends and influence people. You are of your father, the devil the devil. Jesus was just nice to everybody. You are of your father, the devil. And you want to do his desires. He was a murderer. Now check this out. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. He is a liar and the father of lies. So here's what Jesus is saying really quickly, really quickly. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's Look at these church people, he's saying, you're in bondage, and the reason you're in bondage is because you're under the influence of a lie. Because you have believed a lie, you are under bondage. Let me ask you a big key question. He said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If the truth makes you free, what does a lie do? Right? If the truth makes me free... Now, what is freedom? Freedom is not stopping things. Freedom is when I'm free to be who Jesus created me to be. That's freedom, right? When I can be me, when you can dance like no one's looking, right? This is a conversation I have with my children because we can be in a mall or in a restaurant or somewhere and I can't dance at all. I'm obviously a big, uh, clumsy white man. But in my soul, friend, there's a lot going on. And when the beat drops, sometimes I'm just, ooh. And my children disappear. It's amazing. It's like a magic trick. When I was 20, I thought everybody was thinking about me. Now I'm 40, I realize no one was ever thinking about me, nor do they care about me. I am free. You know what I'm saying? Like, So when you feel the beat, man, it's all right. Dance like nobody's watching because they probably aren't anyways. So I got a daughter, bless her, her heart. She's scarred for life. She's in counseling because of me, you know. She's like, Dad, stop it. I'm like, they're not looking. They don't care. I'm just living my life. <laughs> but <laughs> if the truth sets you free. So, so freedom then, freedom is about being who God created me to be. So here's the reality. To be who God created me to be, I have to walk in truth. So if the enemy wants to keep me from being who God created me to be, then he wants me to walk out a lie. He wants me to live from a lie instead of living from truth, which is the conversation Jesus is having with these church people. Genesis chapter 3, if you're there, run there real quick. Now the serpent was more crafty than any wild animal the Lord had made. So um, let me help you with this really quickly. In, in the New King James, it says it better, but it said the serpent was more crafty than the beast of the field. Um, most people think, oh, serpents are more sneaky than cows. That's not what this actually says. I don't have time to walk you all the way through it. But beast of the field is actually, how many know we are the sheep of his pasture? Are any of y'all, have wool stuck to you anywhere? No, but are you sheep? All right, how do we know that, that s- the serpent here is Satan? Because you go to Revelation, the, the, the great dragon, that serpent of old right? Satan says it very clearly, right? So there are types and shadows in the Bible. Beast of the field is a shadow for demons. It's a type. Study it throughout the Bible. I'll probably show you this in a few weeks if I have time. But in case in point, when Satan comes to tempt Jesus, how many know if, if the Messiah is in the wilderness, if the Christ is in the wilderness and you're Satan and you're going to come tempt him and you know you're no match for him, how many know you don't come by yourself? If you read the text in Luke 4, it says that Satan came with the beast of the field, with all the beasts of the field, actually, is what it says. So, anyways, the servant was more crafty than any wild animals the Lord had made. And, and he said, the woman, did God really say you must not eat it of, of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the servant, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat of the tree in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will not die. Um, theologians say God didn't actually say not touch it. So Eve was telling a lie. It's not actually true. Eve had never sinned. This was not a lie. Probably she and Adam made a pact not to touch it because they couldn't eat it. So sometimes theologians get lost in stupid things. Number four, verse four, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. Now, is that a lie? Did they die? Yes, they died immediately in their spirit, progressively in their soul, and ultimately in their body. How are we saved? Immediately in our spirit, progressively in our soul. This is why we need freedom. And ultimately, our our, in, our corruption will put on incorruption, Paul said, right? So so they died immediately in their spirit, progressively in their soul. So they did die. So this is the first lie in creation. And the servant said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, that part was actually true because every good lie has a little bit of truth. When the woman saw that the fruit was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable to make one wise. By the way, James said, all sin comes down to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. They're all right here. It was good for food, lust of the flesh, pleasing to the eye, the lust of the eyes, and desirable to make one wise, the pride of life, right? So three categories of sin according to James. All right, so she took and ate it and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it and he ate it because, uh, you know, his his nude wife handed him food and said, Eat it. What's any man going to do? Um, <laughs> come on, man. I mean, I just, my job ultimately is to create awkward moments in church. That's really <laughs> that's what the Lord's called me to. All right, I want to um, talk about this. If the truth sets you free. Then what does a lie do? A lie puts you in bondage. Um, we got to move fast. So, will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we need your help bring life and freedom and truth today in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, um, have y'all ever done this like back in the day when I was uh leading a missions organization this a long time ago. Um, but I was on an airplane all the time. And um, you know, I don't know, a couple times, whatever, a few times a month, going somewhere mostly Central and South America. And and so uh this would happen to me. I had this one Samsonite suitcase That apparently everyone in the world had gotten the same bargain on that Samsonite suitcase that I had gotten. And every time I went to the baggage claim, I would all the time see my bag and I would pick it up thinking it was my bag. You see, one of these is yours and one of these is not yours. And so every time I would go to the baggage claim, Thinking I had a bag and saying, it looks like my bag. I think it's my bag. And I would grab it and pull it. And then I would look at the tag and say, oh, it's not my bag. And I'd go put it back on and wait on my bag, which was usually always lost. (laughs) I call this message today the baggage claim because this is what I know how, this is how I know the enemy works in our lives. He, He will tell us things that look like they're ours. And he will give us evidence trying to prove that those lies are actually us or belong to us. And the moment you believe it, like, like you'll say, it looks like my bag. That did happen to me. I did go through that. That is what I think. And, and as, as soon as you believe his lie, you have claimed a bag that was never yours. And you'll spend the rest of your life carrying around a bag that he wanted you to carry around to keep you from being who he wanted you to be or who God created you to be. And so I want to talk about the baggage claim, three things today. Number one, the world is full of lies. I will not get into this because I don't want your hate mail. But if you think any news outlet is actually telling you the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, Bless your heart. <laughs> there was a time, like in the days, I don't remember him, but some of the boomers will remember Walter Cronkite, that would just kind of give you the, the news and the facts, just the facts. Yeah, you know, we don't have those people today. We have uh, opinion columns that are written as though they're factual, and propaganda paid for by big bucks. And you're like, oh, I didn't know. No, every time I turn on CNN, it's just what's going on in the world. Okay, enjoy the Kool-Aid. Enjoy the Kool-Aid. Hope it's grape flavor. I always like grape Kool-Aid. The, the, <laughs> the world is full of lies. Why is the world full of lies? Well, one thing is because creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. And, it, and if you're believing a lie, you can't be a son, you'll be a slave. That's what Jesus just said. Can't abide in the house. Why? Because you're under the influence of a lie. So you're a slave. But the truth is, the Bible says Satan is the, the little G, not the OG, the little G. He's the little G God of this world. And what Jesus just said in John 8 is, he is the father of lies. It's the father of lies. So think about this. The little God of this world is the father of lies. In other words, every lie has its origin in him. He is where all lies descend from. He's the father of it. He can't, he can't tell the truth. How do you know Satan's lying? Is his mouth moving? Yeah. Some of you are like, I had a friend like that once. Same thing. And so, so this is what John is giving a description. He said, there's no, no truth in him when he lies, he speaks of his own character. He is a liar and the father of lies. And so here's what you have to understand. There are these two, there's actually three kingdoms, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of the world. So the kingdom of darkness and, and, and the kingdom of God are vying to be the kingdom of the world. God builds his kingdom through truth. Satan builds his kingdom through lies. So the reason, the reason that there are lies in this world is because Satan's trying to build his kingdom. And he builds his kingdom. Think, think about this. Um, in Genesis 3, God creates Adam and Adam is a son of God. Luke 1 tells us that Adam was a created son of God. So he's a son of God. And Adam is told, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, you know, so do it and take dominion. In other words, build my kingdom. And the way Adam was supposed to go about building the kingdom was through truth. The truth about who he was, truth about who God was, truth about purpose. I mean, it was it was it was all based in truth. So Satan levies an attack against the kingdom of God. And how does he attack the kingdom of God? He attacks the man of God or the son of God. And how does he attack the son of God with a lie? Like the war was against the kingdom of God. The weapon was a lie. In Genesis 3, he said, You're not gonna die. Did God really say, like, do you, do you see the attack? So if Satan is trying to keep you from building the kingdom of God, which means he has to keep you from, from really becoming and believing you are a son of God, then what is the warfare? A lie. He, he gets you to believe something about you, about God, about other people that is not True. That, that's the warfare. And, and the world is full, like my favorite phrase today. It's not my favorite. That was very sarcastic. It drives me bonkers. I'm just living my truth. Okay, you understand you can't do that. You can't live your truth. Listen, listen, sugar pie. Um, that may be the dumbest phrase I've ever heard in my life. Because the definition of truth is it has to be absolute. Truth is not subjective. It's objective. Truth is, and you believe it or you don't, you don't make it up. You can make up lies. So you can say, I'm living my own lies just because it makes me happy. Okay, enjoy your Kool-Aid. But we should never talk about Kool-Aid on Communion Sunday. Because right now people are like, I drank it. Oh, there's so many things I want to say. Anyway, so Right. And so so Satan, he wants you to believe a lie. So the way he kills and steals and destroys in your life is ultimately getting you to believe something that's not true. Right. Lies, just like in Genesis three, lies are going to be targeted mainly in two areas. The lie is going to target who God is or it's going to target who you are. Did God really say, "Well, God knows if you eat of this, you'll be like Him"? Let me say it another way: God is keeping something from you. Have you heard this? Like God just wants me to be happy? No, God wants you to be holy. No, God just wants me to happy. I'm sorry. No, He doesn't. <laughs> it's nowhere in the Bible. Does God? I, I'm the Lord God. I make thouest happiest. God will give you joy. Joy is supernatural. Because joy is something we receive from God, and you can have joy in suffering. So joy is a supernatural gift. Happiness, the word, is based from happenstance. And is, if you're one of those people, I can only be happy when everything's going great. You're, you were born into the wrong world, <laughs> right? This is why the joy of the Lord is our strength. Like, you know, and, and by the way, how do you get joy in the kingdom as you rejoice? That's what Paul said. Rejoice in the Lord. Always again, I say rejoice. Joy comes through rejoicing. You don't rejoice because you're joyful. You rejoice because he's God. And as you rejoice in him, joy comes and that joy becomes your strength. Um, so, so the lies target who God is. Is God really good? In fact, I can tell you every lie of Satan aimed at God is going to be one of three things. Because to believe in God, faith basically is like a three-pronged stool, right? Um, near, powerful, and good. God is near, God is powerful, and God is good. That's the truth about God right? God is near. I'll never leave you or forsake you. God is good. There is one good. He is God. And God is powerful. We know him as all powerful, right? All present, all powerful, right? So, so what the enemy does, if you remove any one of those, then God's not God anymore. Because a good God who's powerful but not near can't help you. And a God who's near and good but not powerful can't help you, right? And a God who's near and powerful but not good can't help you. And so, so Satan is going to aim his lies at God by saying God's holding something back. Is God really good? Let me say it in a way you would understand. It. In fact, you've heard this. If God were really good, then that would not have happened. If God were really good, then he would have stopped that. Let me help you with something. We're in a world that has fallen full of people who have free, mor- they're free moral agents. They get to pick what they do. And bad people happen to good people All the time, right? And if God won't control you, he won't control them. God did not show up and say, Eve, put the fruit down. He let her eat it. He let Adam eat it. Why? Because they get to choose. And every day people get to choose. And people's choices hurt other people. That's why God does not like sin. It is a choice by someone that will hurt someone else. Right? Right? So God can't control them because he's not going to control you. Everybody has to pick. So bad people have good people. But the thing you hear is, well, if, if, if God really loves you, if God was really good. And then, and then the next slide was, Adam, you'll be like God. Crazy thing. Adam was the most like God or Eve, you'll be like God. Eve was the most like God. She was like God in every way except one. She didn't discern the difference between good and evil. She only knew truth. And after she ate the fruit, all she knew was good and evil, and she had lost the glory and the dominion and the power and the nature and the character. And so the enemy will come to us, and he will attack who we are. And and one of the ways that he does that really is the events in our life. When there's a life event, a trauma, something happens, somebody says something, abandonment, betrayal. I mean, you pick it, abuse, neglect. Um, you know, an accident, whatever the case may be. The, f- the first thing that he does is um, he comes immediately to help you interpret what that meant. And he will take that life event, whatever it is, and he will do these two things. He will say, God isn't and you're not, or God isn't, but you are. And he will tell you, you're not lovable or you're not forgiven or there's something wrong with you or you can't be free or wh- whatever the lie is. He'll tell you those things and, and then he'll tell you God's, God's not good. The world is full of lies. Here's the second thing real quick. A lie is not powerful until it's believed. So a lie believed is powerful. Um, do you remember in the Bible, this man named Joseph and he had these dreams and every time I talk about this. The, the I Have a Dream song from Tangled goes through my head. Do any of y'all have children? <laughs> I have a dream. I have a dream. <laughs> Anyways, it's like my favorite song from Tangled, I think. Anyways, point is, he had a dream. He told his brothers they got mad. He's out in the field. They, they, they beat him up, throw him in a pit, right? And then, the, and then Reuben wanted to save him. The older brother wanted to save him. But the other sent Joseph into slavery, sold him to some gypsies to be taken to Egypt. But now they got to explain it to Jacob, the dad. Remember the story from it's the coat of many colors story. Y'all remember the coat of many colors? Yeah. It's like dad really wanted he loved Joseph so he went to Nordstrom's and he got him a Gucci coat that had a lot of colors. And um, and that's why they hated him. And so now they got to explain it. So what did they do? They took his coat, they put the blood of an animal on it. And notice if you read the text, I'll have time to read it. They they never told Jacob that Joseph had been killed. They just gave him evidence that looked that way. They gave him a coat with blood and they said, hey, is this, was this his or is this yours? And the Bible says Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and began to mourn for many days. Now, question, was Joseph dead? Did Jacob think he was? In fact, so much did he think he was that it shaped his decisions moving forward in that when there was famine, he would not let Benjamin. Now, Joseph and Benjamin were Rachel. Jo, was. Jacob had a wife named Rachel. Joseph and Benjamin were their sons. Rachel was the one he loved, right? Romance story, all the women. <laughs> Anyways, whatever. Um, and so... So when Joseph dies, he becomes overprotective of Benjamin and won't let Benjamin go to Egypt. It shaped how he lived. Was it true? Did he believe it? So here's what the enemy does in our lives is when something happens, he always, when he wants you to believe a lie, he brings you some evidence. Like when he wants you to believe you're unloved, he'll point to something in your life. He'll point to an abuse, a mistake that you made where you feel like, oh, I just can't be forgiven. I've just screwed up too much. So he will bring something that looks like your baggage, but he brings it with a lie. Hey, is this your son's coat? Oh, my God, he's been killed. And he'll do the same for you. Hey, didn't you really do that? Here's what this means. And as soon as you believe the lie, ding, you've claimed the bag. And you'll live the rest of your life as this is a filter or a way of thinking or processing. You'll, you'll spend the rest of your life living from this lie. Because you understand, the reason he wants you to believe a lie is because when I believe a lie, it's not just one thing that I think. It becomes a system of belief that I live out. The Bible talks about this. Second um, Corinthians 10.4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So are we talking about real war and bows and arrows and spears and fortresses? No, because verse 5, destroying arguments, opinions, anything against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive. So here's what he's saying. We have weapons of this warfare. What's the warfare? Lies and truth. And we have weapons. Why? Because... We've got to tear down strongholds. What are strongholds? Strongholds is where you believed a lie and it became so reinforced because the enemy keeps bringing more baggage to you and saying, hey, this looks like yours. It goes with this lie until it becomes a fortified belief in your heart. And here's how you know just like John chapter 8, Jesus is saying, I'm telling you the truth. And you know what they're saying? No, no, you're not, we're not in bondage. We're Abraham's kids. Here's how, you know, here's how you know when you're really under bondage is when someone brings you truth, you'll argue with them. Like for real, someone will bring you truth and that's how you know it's become a fortified system of belief is because I've had people, I've had people stand in my office and say, I know God doesn't love me. I'm like, I've done this or this happened and I know God doesn't love me. And I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about all the the, hearing His love. Not that we loved him, but God loved us. And for God so loved, I looked at one person one time and said, for God so loved the world. I have a question. Are you in the world? Yes. For God so loved the world. So we got a problem. Either you're under the influence of a lie or God is a liar. That's the problem. Once it's believed, it creates a system of beliefs. Number three, let me give you this one. So what's, what, what do we have to have? Same thing, John 8, that Jesus is trying to do. We have to have truth. We have to have truth. Lies are exposed by truth. He said to the Jews who believe him, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So Jesus is talking to them. They're under the power of a lie, so they can't be who God created them to be. And so here's why we need truth. Number one, you, you can on, the only way to identify a lie is truth. That's why Jesus came full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And I think in the, in, the, in the church today, we think Jesus was just full of grace, but he was actually full of grace and truth. He doesn't have more truth than grace. He doesn't have more grace than truth. He's completely truth and completely grace. What does that look like? With the woman caught in adultery, it looked like, I don't condemn you. There's grace. Go and sin no more. There's truth. Listen, as the body of Christ says, the church of God, we are not helping people if we're only giving them grace. If you want to free people, you have to give them truth. I think today we've given people enough grace to stay in bondage. So you need truth because truth is, is the way you identify a lie. Truth is the way you uproot a lie. And the, really the only way to be, listen to me, the only way to be free is to do truth. Is to do truth. Um, he, said, he said, if you continue in my teachings, you're my disciple. By the way, discipleship and freedom are the same thing. The church messed up because somewhere we started calling discipleship information. You can go to hell with good information right? I mean, information does not free you. Information does not save you. There's a lot of people today that think they're saved because they agree with good information. Yeah, I agree. Jesus died. I want to know, did you surrender your life? Did he become your Lord and your savior? Or is he just your fairy godfather that's supposed to follow you around and fix all your mess? (laughs) <laughs> salvation is not where we get a God who serves us. Salvation is where we lay our lives down to serve God. Okay, so, <laughs> so you do truth. This is John 3. He said, hey, if you want to do wickedness, they go away from the light. But whoever wants to come to the light, the way you come to the light is you do truth, not doing good. Uh, religion is doing good. Freedom is doing Truth. Religion has as much power to bind you as sin does. Because if the knowledge of evil will place you in bondage, the knowledge of good will place you in bondage. So what is the answer for both? Doing truth. It is not the truth you know that frees you. It is the truth you do. Continue in my truth and you will know the truth and truth will set you free. So it's it's not knowing truth. There's a lot of people in bondage who know truth. But it's doing truth that frees you. It's doing. What did James say? Don't be hearers only. Why? If I hear the word and I don't actually evaluate my life by the word, I'll say I'm doing great and deceive myself. So there are a lot of Christians, Satan doesn't have to deceive them. They've told themselves they're okay so long, they've deceived themselves. I had a man in the church one time. He's not part of the church anymore. Wishing the best, good man. But but when he first came to church, every week he he stopped me to say, Pastor, I just love this church because you preach the truth. And the more I got to know that man, I realized this is how I finally classified him. I said, that man loves to hear the truth, but he's never thought about doing any of it. I want a church that tells me the truth. Well, pastors want people that do the truth. God wants people that do the truth. Satan hates people that do the truth because truth is how you reach your identity. Truth is how your life is changed. Truth is how you are transformed. So discipleship is not information. It's about becoming like him, being conformed to his image. And the only way to do that is to do truth. So how does this happen? So so let me tell you this. Freedom is then an event and a process, an event and a process, okay? So let me help you with this. What does that mean? Well, most Christians, we love events, and and we don't really think about processes. What I mean by that is we love a conference, like I want a good conference on relationships. Well, that's a good event, but what do you need to change and walk out in everyday life that's really going to transform you? I want to go to Dave Ramsey's conference. Well, that'll fire you up. But if you don't come home and make a budget, you're still going to be slave to Visa. So when he's saying you will continue in the truth, what well, he said, you will know. And I talked about this, so I don't have time. I think it's in week one. But when he says no, that is an encounter with. That's not knowledge that's encounter. Adam knew his wife and it produced a son, right? So it wasn't that Adam, you know, had information about Eve, there was an encounter. Are you tracking with me? <clears throat> so what Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So here's what he's saying. It's like when we, when we encounter the truth, so how do we encounter truth? Well, Jesus said, it's by hearing my teaching. If You continue in my words. So in other words, freedom comes, and, and here's the two, the two foundational building blocks of freedom faith, and repentance. Let me explain those. Now, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I've talked about this before. It doesn't say faith comes by hearing the Word of God. It says faith comes by encountering the Word of God. Just John chapter 8. Faith comes by hearing. How does hearing come? The Word of God. So the Word of God drives me to the God of the Word to encounter Him. Are you tracking it has, if faith comes by hearing, just put on your Bible app and let it play, and by the end of the week, you'll, have, you'll be the greatest man of faith in the world because you just heard the Bible. It's not how faith comes. Faith comes by an encounter, by hearing. Here, here's why. When we hear God, God does not speak. Okay. Words are symbols to express realities, but not so with God. God. Because God can't speak without creating the reality He is speaking of. God doesn't speak English and He doesn't speak Hebrew. He speaks reality. He spoke and the worlds were formed. By the word of His power are all things held together. So when God speaks, He is not telling you about something. He is delivering something to you. If I said pizza, I'm giving you a symbol that expresses a wonderful thing made by Italians. It's got flour and carbs. Jesus. With sauce and cheese. All kinds of wonderful things on top. But if God said pizza, boom, there'd be a pizza. Right? God God didn't say God didn't say like, I want there to be light. He just said light. Are you with me? So when we encounter, so what is freedom? Freedom is a constant engagement with the active voice of the Father that frees us to be who he created us to be from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's a constant engagement with the voice of a Father telling me who I am, That frees me to be, why? Because when he tells me who I am, he's bringing that reality. He doesn't tell you about peace, he brings you a gift. So we have to hear him, that's the encounter. And then the second thing is we have to repent. So repentance is always our response to revelation. See, we think repentance is a one-time thing in the church. Like, and we always, I was going this way and I'm going that way because it was like a Greek theater term you know like i was going stage left but then i decided to go stage right no repentance is more like i was i was going to wear my tennis shoes but i decided to wear my um you know uh, snow skis instead it's like so drastically different and what i mean by that is repentance is a changing of the mind after that's how it's actually defined the greek word a change of the mind after after what after hearing i hear right i hear And then I decide to change what I think based on truth. I was loving sin till I found out it was killing me and going to send me to hell. And then I'm like, I need a thing. I need to change my mind about this. So when Jesus comes, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. What's he saying? He's like, because the kingdom of heaven is here. There's a way. See, when Adam and Eve fell, they, oh, I don't have time for this. It wasn't just that they sinned, but they lost something. They lost a way to see and to know, perceive, and process that came to them through truth, through the Spirit of God. And they lost that connection. So now here they are. Like if you lose your glasses, you got two problems. Right? Because I can't find them because I don't have them, but without them I can't see. So I got two problems. That's what Adam and Eve had. So when Jesus shows up and says, repent, he's like, y'all got two problems. You can't see truth and you don't have a way to see it. And you need truth, but you don't have a way to find it. So what is he saying? He's like, the kingdom of heaven is near. He's saying right here, very close, is something that you need, that you were created for. It's freedom, it's power, it's deliverance, but you can't see it. And so he's saying, because you gotta repent. And when you repent, now your way of processing goes from self to savior in that now I have the Holy Spirit who gives me the mind of Christ and teaches me the thoughts of God and helps me see and understand not only who God is, but who I am. That's what repentance looks like. When I surrender my way of seeing and processing and thinking and allow the revelation of his word and what he's speaking to me to become my truth and I partner with that and I push the lies out and then I'm free to be who God created me to be. Amen? All right, why don't you stand? <laughs> yeah, you can clap. If you're going to clap, like for real, do it. Yeah. All right. right. Why don't you bow your heads with me? You are so much fun. Uh, Why don't you bow your heads with me? God, we just thank you because truth is freedom, God. Truth is freedom. With your heads bowed, we're going to do something just in our closing couple of minutes. I'm going to ask our, our prayer team to come. And at the end of the service, we pray for anyone who needs prayer for anything. So, you know, Prayer team, if you would come. Um, and, it, and it may be that you need to be washed, like we talked about in communion. You may use, like you need a relationship with Jesus and you need to tell somebody, I need a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says we confess him before men, he will confess us before a father. So we want to give you that opportunity to come for us. I need I need Jesus and we want to pray, stand with you, um, encourage you, all those things. It may be the need healing, but um, we want to pray for everybody that needs prayer. But right now with our heads bowed, here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you if, if there's a lie he wants to talk to you about. And the way that's going to happen is you're probably going to see a picture of a life event. Now you could just, I mean, it could just be words. You might just see a word. You might feel like you hear a word. You might feel something, but you might see something that happened. And that's just the Holy Spirit identifying to you, hey, this was the thing that brought the event in. And so we're going to try to figure out the lie real quick. We're just going to go after one. And then we do this more at the Freedom Conference, but some of you may not be able to make it. So Holy Spirit, right now, I'm going to ask the question and then he's going to answer you. Holy Spirit, right now, show me, show me the lie that you want to speak to me about today. Show me the lie that you want to talk to me about today. And right there, go with your first impression. Whatever the thought is, the word is, the sentence is, the picture is. And it could be I'm not lovable or I'm not worthy or I can't be free or nobody cares about me or there's something wrong with me. It could be any of those. And here's what I want us to do. This is where repentance takes place. This is what you say. When you have it, you say, Holy Spirit, God, I am so sorry I believe this. I'm so sorry I believe that. Forgive me for that. And then I'm gonna ask one more question And the Holy Spirit is going to bring you some truth. And we're going to put the truth where the lie was. We're going to put the truth where the lie was. So I'm going to ask the question just like I did. Holy Spirit, what is the truth that you want me to know about this or me? What is the truth that you want me to know? Go with your first, first instinct, first impression, first thought, first word, first picture. Same thing. Hold on to it. And now accept it. Holy Spirit, God, I accept this as your truth to me. I am loved. I am chosen. I am forgiven. I am worthy. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm the masterpiece of God. Whatever it is, you accept that truth. Say, Holy Spirit, I want to live. God, I want to live from your truth today. So, Father, I pray for all of us that we would live from your truth. God, that you would constantly, by the power of the Holy Spirit and, and the words that you speak, that you would break off the lies in our hearts and our lives. Let us continue in your words so that we can continue in truth. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, can you give Jesus praise today? All right, listen, I love you. You're all amazing. We'd love to pray for you if you need prayer. Um, If not, go as fast as you can and get your children. Love you so much. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you.